Chapter Twenty Nine of Against Odds by Lawrence L. Lynch. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Chapter Twenty Nine. Fire! 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 June had passed and July had come. Mr. Trent had arrived and was eating his heart out, while the days dragged by. Miss Jenrys waited and wondered and wrote to Miss O'Neill letters which she tried to make cheerful, until one day she received a telegram. Mrs. Trent no longer needed her, and Hilda O'Neill was coming to Chicago. She would set out on July the 3rd. Of course, I was summoned to meet her when she came, and I learned then something about ordeal by question. She was a pretty, brown-eyed, gypsy-like and petite maiden, more child than woman in her ways, but with a warm, loving, and faithful heart, and a wit as bright and ready almost as that of June Jenrys, who was, to my mind, the cleverest as well as the queenliest of girls. Miss O'Neill's presence was a boon to the sad-hearted father, for she would not despair, and nature having blessed her with a strong and hopeful temperament, and an abounding faith in a final good, she kept the father's heart from despairing utterly. Miss Jenrys, true to her word, had continued to receive Monsieur Voisin, though she used much diplomacy in the matter, and seldom, if ever, received him alone. Lossing and I often met him there, and as the days wore on, I noted that Lossing was growing melancholy, or at least more serious and thoughtful than of old, and I attributed a part of this to Voisin's ever-courteous and too frequent presence in Washington Avenue. I was much with him in these days, every day almost would find us together for a longer or less length of time according to my occupation or lack of it one day after a long and learned discussion of the watercrafts of all countries we lossing and myself turned our steps toward the transportation building to see a certain african brimba sent all the way from banguela africa and to my eyes a most unseaworthy craft it was shortly after the noon hour, and Lossing and I had been lunching with June Jenrys and her friend by invitation, in consequence of which I was not disguised, while Lossing, by command of Miss Jenrys, had worn, and still wore, his guard's uniform. As we were passing from the main building to the annex, I saw Lossing start, and, looking up, beheld Monsieur Voisin standing alone in the aisle, and evidently awaiting our approach. He was, as usual, smiling and affable, and overjoyed to meet with congenial spirits. He fell into step with us at once, and so we were proceeding in the direction of the mammoth locomotive display, when suddenly the alarm of fire rang out all about us, and the cry, Fire! 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 seemed sounding everywhere in an instant. Following in the wake of a hundred others, we hastened out. We were not far from the scene of that awful conflagration, and we rushed forward, as men do at such times, carried out of themselves often, and reckless of danger. Who can paint the story of that awful fire? What need to tell it? It has passed out of history, and its victims to their rest and recompense. The mourning caused by that hateful death-trap, the cold storage building, is known to all the world. The recklessness, the heroism, the strict obedience to orders in the face of death, the horror, the suffering, 
the loss of gallant lives all these are known and yet there remains much that has never been told and never will be tales of reckless daring of risks taken for humanity's sake of kindly humane deeds unchronicled and of cowardice selfishness dishonourable acts that were better left unwritten among those who stood ready to aid and who showed in that dreadful time neither fear nor undue excitement was lossing where help was needed his hands were ready and it was not long so ill-fitted was the tindery edifice to resist the flames before the worst had happened the tower had fallen and the dead and dying rather than the burning structure became the chief almost the sole care of the earnest workers firemen and others with the falling of the tower one end of the building from top to base became enveloped in flames and smoke and flying timbers borne that way by the wind made the place especially dangerous as the blackened fragments fell small wonder that seen through the smoke and fire they were sometimes mistaken for human beings by those who had seen brave men making that fearful leap it was impossible to keep together in such a place and we did not attempt it but as i now and then cast an anxious glance toward lossing i noted that voisin seemed to be all the time near him it was some moments after the falling of the tower and while it was still believed that there were yet men upon the burning roof that i moved toward the end of the building where the smoke was hanging like a curtain over everything below while lifting somewhat above to look if possible toward that part of the roof which might be yet intact lossing and voisin seemed to be eagerly watching something perilously near the choking smoke and falling timbers i thought and i shouted a warning to them just as a group of firemen crossed my path almost at the instant a voice it sounded like voisin's cried look there's a man in the hubbub of sounds the cry was not heard beyond me i could not have heard it a few feet further away but as it struck my ears i saw lossing look up and following his gaze with my own i saw something black and bulky something that looked like an arm thrust out as it fell down and outward and into the thick smoke that obscured that end of the building altogether was it a man falling there in the thick of that suffocating smoke i saw lossing spring forward and dash into the midst of it with voisin close behind and then with a shudder i rushed after them seeing nothing but entering where they had entered the smoke cloud and then for an instant i paused and held my breath the thing that had fallen lay in the thickest of the smoke and over it lossing was just about to bend when i halted seeing a sudden movement on voisin's part which made me clench my hands for the moment save for my unseen self they were alone shut in by the shifting but never rising smoke and in that moment as lossing bent over to peer at the thing on the ground at his feet the man just behind him drew from his pocket something which i guessed at rather than recognized something which caused me to spring forward with my fists clenched it was the work of a moment to strike down the man who in an instant with a criminal's basest weapon would have stunned lossing and left him there in the choking smoke to be suffocated as voisin went down i had just enough strength and breath to catch hold of lossing and drag him out and in a moment calling some others to my aid 
we went in after voisin as we lifted him the knuckles dropped from his relaxed hand and unnoticed in the smoke i picked them up and hastily concealed them he was quite insensible and a little stream of blood was trickling from one side of his face where he had struck upon some hard substance in falling as he lay upon the ground a sudden thought caused me to start and i bent down quickly put my finger solicitously upon his wrist and then pushing back the dark hair which always lay in a curving mass over his brow a little to one side i laid bare a rather high forehead upon which clearly defined was an oblong scar quite close to the roots of the concealing love-lock calling lossing's attention to this i replaced the lock smoothed it into place and arose come away i said to lossing and leaving voisin in the hands of those about him for a moment we withdrew to a place where we might see and be unseen i told lossing of the attempt upon his life and he was not greatly surprised i ought to have been on my guard he said for i think he caused me that lagoon dip but i was carried out of myself by this cursed holocaust what shall we do keep out of his sight and let them take him to the hospital he's not seriously hurt possibly he's shamming now though he was stunned as well as half suffocated it was as i surmised voisin opened his eyes after some time and made an effort to rise but he seemed weak and dazed and they withdrew him from the place where he lay and made him comfortable in a sheltered spot to await the return of an ambulance going back for a few moments to note the progress of the fire they were not long absent but when they went back to their charge he was not there and a bystander had seen him rise look about him and move away at first slowly and then quite briskly in the direction of the sixty-fourth street entrance i had persuaded lossing to remain out of sight and had myself viewed voisin's departure from afar and when i reported the fact lossing exclaimed masters this must end that man must not be permitted to visit miss jenrys after this rest easy i answered him the villain will at once take measures to learn the truth about you and when he knows that you are not lying somewhere on a cold slab awaiting recognition he will know that his matrimonial game is up i took a sidewise glance at lossing as i spoke the next words and that one fortune at least has slipped through his fingers his eyes sombre and proud at once turned slowly toward me as i spoke masters he said i wish to heaven june jenrys were as poor as poor as i am to this i had no answer ready and we walked on for a short time in silence then suddenly he stopped short masters he said what was it that fell when i went into the smoke like an idiot a piece of timber with a burning rag fluttering from it a coat thrown off by one of those poor fellows just the bait voisin wanted i replied End of chapter twenty nine